Wait, is this Wait, thing is this on? Thing on? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to start. Welcome to Nostalgic Tangents via Skype. I'm Greg DiPietro. I'm Rosie DeCandia. And we are socially distancing from each other. We're doing uh, what we're supposed to with the coronavirus lockdown in L.A. So we are going to record an episode via Skype. How you feeling, Rosie? You know, I'm feeling very nice because I like being isolated. I think I said this last week. So I'm doing, I'm honestly doing really well in my isolation. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a cocoon. I'm in my little girl cave and I'm burning sage. I'm burning, I'm, I'm meditating. I'm clearing my aura. I got my crystals on my bras. I'm just, just doing things that are creative. Okay, wait, now, wait, 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 wait. Let's just back up in case somebody in the audience missed that. You have your crystals where? In my bra. She carries crystals in her bra. Yes. I'm shaking you, the bag of crystals. Yeah, you heard that right for anybody who just wasn't sure what they heard. Do you, you want to explain that or should we just uh, move past? Explain it. Okay, so I just got into crystals, I would say, not even a full year ago. And I think for me, they usually tell you to put it on your person in your pocket, right? And things like that. So I kind of started putting my pockets, but I was noticing I was carrying a lot. And then I had the little baggies and I was kind of like, you know what? I want them like against my skin because they're for protection, they're for healing. And I feel like if they're on my skin, which is your largest organ and absorbs stuff and absorbs energy, it will absorb the power of the crystals. So I decided to tuck them in my boobs. The way I look at it is this. They're boobs. They can carry things. It's like when you eat something, the chest is there. And I got a large chest. I got a large rack. I'm not going to lie. I'm a double D. You know what I mean? Rosie double D decandia. And the thing is this, this rack catches stuff. So I better use it as a, sh I can use it as a shelf. And it's also like a cupboard. Well, I mean, I think bras um, historically have always been uh, a good storage place. Women have stored, you know, put money, their ID. I remember back in the club days, They'd pull all kinds of stuff out of there, like Coke, you know, and uh, and I, lipstick? you know, I use money. Lipstick? Because right. you can never lipstick. go without lipstick when you go out. You always need to reapply in case you use the ones that are drying, but we won't go on that tangent. We're already on a tangent. I know. We, we started the episode and went right off on a tangent. So um, this is Nostalgic Tangents, and um, we are going to talk about the Twilight Zone series, the original Right? Do, 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 I love Twilight Zone. It feels like we're in the Twilight Zone. Anybody who's ever listening to us around the world, I'm sure it's weird where you are too, but in Los Angeles, to see these streets um, just empty and people like just scattered people walking around like an, a zombie apocalypse uh, got us thinking like it's like the Twilight Zone. And Rosie said, let's do uh, an episode on the Twilight Zone. So here we are. Which is one of my favorite shows because I've always loved Rod Serling. He was a handsome man, dark and smart. And also, it's so fitting because everything he did in his damn episodes is coming to fruition, people. People, pay attention, people. Well, I mean, unless we land on planets and see aliens and they're coming to eat us, uh, I don't think it's all come to fruition yet, but uh, we're probably not far from that. I'm going to say something, it's a tangent, but last night I had insomnia from 2.30 to 6 in the morning. I was sent a video um, about, I don't know if you ever heard of David Icke. He's a conspiracy theorist, one of the most notable ones. I went down a rabbit hole of reptilian people, the reptiles that <laughs> wait, that mated with humans. Have you heard this? No. 
Greg is my new obsession. You're oh my so God. Funny. I'm you know what? If, if that keeps you busy while you're socially distancing, then I guess that's fine. <laughs> Reptile people. No, you gotta anyway. look it up. He's crazy, but he's not crazy. He's a, he's he's predicted a lot of stuff. David Ike, I see. K-E or something like that? Oh my God, it's so good. I can't stop the insanity that's going on. All right. Well, the Twilight Zone series, the original, the black and white series with Rod Serling, it ran from, was it 1959 to 1964, right? Five seasons, which I actually thought as a kid it ran a lot more because it seemed like there were so many episodes of Twilight Zones. I know some of those shows when you're a kid, you, you you think they ran for like 10 years. It was only like two seasons, like Star Trek. The original Star Trek only ran a few seasons. Oh, I don't really? even think, yeah, but let's not go down that tangent. Okay. But yeah, I thought Twilight Zone was was like seven, eight, nine seasons, but it was only five. So uh, I am cheating, um, but I'm well, looking at- I am punch. Those five seasons packed a punch. That's why we also thought they were so good. So there was, it says the last episode in season five was episode 36. So there was 36 episodes. But you know, what, what, um. Season. In each season or just 36 and five seasons? No, no, no. 36 in each season. Okay. Oh, well, that's a lot. That's good. That's a good amount. Well, that was season five. I'm looking at, you know, apparently I don't know what I'm talking about because season four says 18. Um, so I don't know how many total episodes, but you know, since we're talking about the Twilight Zone and how life is just like reality is so much crazier right now than fiction. Um, when it's I think surreal. of it, it really is weird what's going on, but I, and I just watched, um, that outbreak movie with Dustin Hoffman and, uh, <laughs> what is it and, called? I think it's called outbreak? outbreak. Yeah. Is it scary as shit? No, I mean, it was, it's like 1998 or something, or 95, but, it, you know, it's about a pandemic, except that one was a killer, like a killer flu that would, but uh, it was crazy. But, you know, when I think of the Twilight Zone, there's always a couple of episodes that jump right to the forefront of my mind. And one of them is the William Shatner episode with the monster on the wing of the plane, right? You remember that one? Oh, yeah. Honey, <laughs> that was, that is an epic one. I think everybody knows that one. I know it's like the I, 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 it might be the most famous like Twilight Zone scene or episode in the whole series that just everyone knows about. And he's so young in it. And it's just it's a creepy one. And you feel so badly for him because as the viewer, you're like, there's something on the wing. And they're all like, you've got to calm down, sir. You've got to calm down. He's like, no, he's out there. He's out there. Well, I think as the viewer, you really don't know. I mean, it could you're just you could just be seeing what he thinks he's seeing like crazy. But I think at the end, when they show the piece of metal pulled up, that then you know it's like, oh my god, the monster's out there. But it's so silly by today's like you know standards, like the production level. But it's so good. It's like you know, it's definitely um, sticks with you. Those shows, like you have an episode that just sticks with you. Well, I have multiple episodes. So you're, you're asking and open it. You're going to, you know, I'll try to keep it brief. But one of my favorite, favorite you know, it's hard for me to do that. It's really <laughs> scary. It's called The Howling Man. And it terrified me as a child. Once again, I love horror. I love to be scared. It's one of my things. So when I was younger, we would watch the reruns at 11 o'clock at night because I never wanted to go to bed. I like to be up. So my brothers would watch it in their room and I'd go and sneak in and watch with them. Okay. So the Twilight Zone one I love is called The Howling Man. This man gets lost. He goes into a monastery. 
it's a rainy night. They don't want to let him in. The monks are like, no, no, no. And he's like, no, please, I need help. They're like, fine. But he hears somebody howling in a room. And they're like, whatever you do, please don't go there. Stay in your room and get dry. And tomorrow you got to friggin' leave. And he's like, all right, all right. But then curiosity killed the cat. He leaves his room, goes to the room with a man who's howling. The man who's howling looks like a regular person like you and I. And he says to the man, let me out of this room. He's like, well, why can't you leave? He's like, no, they, they're, they're no good. The monks are no good, blah, 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 blah. He's like, let me out. Just lift the little lever. So he lifts the lever, right? All of are a we sudden. Hearing, we're hearing the entire dialogue of the episode. I'll make it go really quick. He lifts the lever. The guy starts walking toward the window in the room, the howling man. And then you see him morph into the devil. So he's a man devil. He looks back and he flies out of the room. Oh my God, look up the howling man because the devil is scary. When you're a child, you see a guy with the hat and the ears and the mustache and then he flies off. Then we go to, I don't know how much later, the same guy who let the devil free is all tortured. And then he's got something in his closet and he has a woman come over and he's like, I need you to sit the house. Please do not open this door. You're going to hear howling. Please don't open it. He recaptured the devil. And guess what? <laughs> he leaves. And she hears howling and the lady can't take it anymore. And her curiosity, she opens the door. And as soon as she opens the door, bam, it's empty. She let the devil go. And it's just what's really amazing about this episode, and we didn't get to it yet, but Rod Serling really made commentary on humanity, right? And our character. And at one point in the episode, the old monk says, when he, when he released the devil, he's like, I'm so sorry, father, brother, whatever your name is. I didn't mean to do it. He just had me convinced he was the victim. He's like, ah, that's what Satan does. Satan works his magic and convinces you. And you're so just like, damn. Dang. So at this at this rate, our podcast episode is going to be about six hours if we go through every episode. <laughs> All right, but you asked for my favorite, and that was my ultimate favorite. Okay, right. and I'm I still traumatized from it, but I can't help it. I love it. It's the Howling Man, the Howling Man, the Howling Man. That was act. That was almost a real time reenactment. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So you know, one of the other ones I always like, yeah, and is there was this woman in the hospital she's in there getting recovery and she keeps having this recurring dream every night she wakes up and well she, it's a dream she gets out of her bed she goes down to the basement of the hospital and there's the morgue you know and then as she's about to walk towards it the door opens and this woman's this nurse says room for one more honey and then she wakes <laughs> up screaming right so then she finally recovered. She gets out of the hospital. She goes to the airport to leave and she's getting on the plane. And this stewardess is the same person. And she says, room for one more, honey. And the woman freaks out, runs away, and the plane takes off and crashes. So like, you know, it was, that was one of my favorites too. And see what that is, is like Rod Serling is getting in your head that you have premonitions. You have these moments where there are dreams, like Final Destination. I love that friggin' movie. I think we've mentioned that before. The kid's yeah. on the plane and then he has this moment of like a premonition, he fell to sleep and then he leaves the plane. Anyway, the point is this. Rod Sterling goes there because there's one called The Hitchhiker with this woman who kind of reminds me of Janet Lee. You know how Janet Lee, when she was in Psycho, she leaves town, right? The main character, she embezzled some money. So this, this blonde woman is driving in the car and she keeps seeing on the side of the road this hitchhiker and it keeps following her wherever she goes. And then she picks up a random guy and she's like, don't you see it? Don't you see it? And he's like, what are you talking about? There's no one back there. And then 
she goes, um, she gets off the road at some point and she calls to speak to her mother. And they're like, hey, you know, this woman's, this lady is dead. And she's like, what do you mean she's dead? She's like, she died suddenly. Her daughter died in a car accident with a hitchhiker. And she's like, ah! and she didn't know she was dead. The lady didn't know, but the hitchhiker was her guardian angel. Hey, bitch, you're dead. Stop driving. Didn't even know she was dead. And I think that's also very, like, that's also to me, it's like there's so many levels and there's so much about humanity that, you know, how people turn in times of crises during that show. Speaking of crises, right? Because we're talking about that. It's just kind of like he really has deep layers to these episodes. They're not just surface. There's always something to it that you can glean a human, like a lesson from it. Well, I think that what I've noticed is looking through all these episodes again on IMDb, the concepts, you know, the basic concept of each episode, how many movies have been, I, I maybe even plagiarized from from episodes of, um, of of the Twilight Zone. Like the one you're talking about could almost be the same concept as The Sixth Sense, you know, where he didn't know he was dead. And, um, you know, I mean, one after the other after the other. And there's just so many, as, as we look through all these um all these episodes, the incredible amount of stars, like when they were young, getting their start. William Shatner, who else? Uh, well, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. I don't know the one with Burt Reynolds because I. This is out of my celebrity crush zone, but this is the man I've loved since I was ten years old, Robert Redford. He is so handsome. He's the young man in the episode, and he plays death. But that's not the point. Robert Redford. I don't know the Burt Reynolds episode. I don't think yeah, I but, do. And so there's another one, right? So so Robert Redford. I I always say Robert Redford, in my opinion, looks exactly like Brad Pitt when when he was young. A young Brad Pitt and a young Robert Redford look almost identical. I don't identical. see it. Very I, little. I don't see it. But anyway, when you look at that episode where where um, Redford plays death, you know, and he appears as a person and he's playing the specter of death, and that's like Meet Joe Black, right? So oh, yeah, with that's right. Brad Pitt. So again, as we go through these episodes, I, I honestly think a lot of movie uh, concepts were taken from episodes of Twilight Zone. I mean, they've done Twilight Zone the movie. Do you remember the Twilight Zone movie that Steven, oh, Spiel- yeah. Steven Spielberg and the guy Vic? Oh my God, he got his Vic head Morrow. cut off. Vic Morrow, correct. Yeah, He's got, got his, his head, head cut off. Do you know? Oh my God, that episode where Vic Morrow plays the guy—that's an old. That episode is a spooky one, the original too, because the guy is this racist, horrible person, and he has to go through the Holocaust and he goes through all these different times, like. Whereas that he's just a horrible human being to learn his lesson about compassion and stuff. But Twilight Zone, the movie, I have that on VHS in New Jersey. Remember that? What was that line? It's like, you want to see something really scary? Yes! What's that? Was that the... Okay, that's my question. (laughs) Wait a second. That... Oh my God, I can't remember, but now I'm going to have to look it up online because you know, they also do the episode with the good life, Billy Mummy's episode, the little boy who is terrible to people. Like if people are mean in his town, do you remember yeah, well, that he was, episode? He was the boy from Lost in Space that right. he was like a redheaded kid, right? Yes. So yeah. in, in the good life, he's this little boy in this farm potunk town, but it's desolate. There's like only 10 people left because this kid is evil. He can read people's thoughts. And so they can't think anything bad about him. 
and they, they just have to be nice and they have to love their lives. And he'll sit there and if somebody like starts something, he'll like be like, you're a bad man. You're a very bad man. And I'm going to send you to the cornfield. And at one point he sends one man, it's so scary, into the cornfield and you see the adult face, the head on a jack-in-the-box body in the middle of the cornfield. It's creepy as fuck. So and you know what? You know, what's funny is um, Stephen King likes to use children as a terrifying, you know, kids that have powers and they're, you know, children of the corn and things like that. But I just think it's amazing how many movie concepts come came from from these episodes. There's one where um, the guy, I, I think his little daughter makes a wish and the guy can only speak the truth that he can't lie anymore. And that was like a movie. Um, wh Jim what Carrey. was that with, with Liar, Jim Carrey? Liar. Right. I'm telling you, if you go through all these episodes, there's got to be a dozen or more movie concepts that came from Twilight Zone episodes. I agree, and I think besides that, also that. Rod Serling, such a pioneer and ahead of his time, like you had mentioned, obviously they didn't have CGI. He still worked with the confines of what he could do, but his storytelling was excellent. And not only that, he touched on things that are happening today, which is scary. The aliens, the situations of how humans act. There's one called The Real Monsters on Maple Street. And this one is this little potong town, another Americana, right? Beautiful town. They see a weird object in the sky, and at first they don't know what it is, and they all start saying, it's a UFO, it's aliens. But now the townspeople start saying, well, where's where were you when this happened? Where were you? And they start turning on each other, right? Yeah, and now it's this weird it, yeah. time, instead of uniting, which we have issues now with people hoarding and stuff, they start arguing, and at the end, the aliens are literally, you see the aliens talking, they're like, you see? The humans, the real monsters are themselves. We knew they would always turn against each other. So the aliens are actually watching the humans, which is what this conspiracy theorist talks about, and saying, you see, we don't even have to do anything. We can make humanity turn on each other. And to me, it's like, he said this, I mean, we're talking 1959 is how many freaking years ago we well, talked Let me ask you a question. Did the aliens yeah. take all the toilet paper? Wait, right? do aliens, wait, but do aliens shit in the woods? Or, I don't know, like bears. They might do need toilet paper. I, I don't know, but I, I tell you, my roommate just scored a 12-pack of toilet paper, and we were celebrating. <laughs> oh, my God, you better not tell anybody that. Because I know. Because you don't want those looters coming in. I got to be honest, I went for the first time for a four-pack the other day at Gelson's, and they're letting people take one pack. There was enough, and... It was actually, I still haven't even touched it. I'm using, and I'm a toilet paper junkie. Oh my God, like I love to use toilet paper. I'm being so good. This is a lesson I've learned. I mean, you know, the tush, but I did buy those wipeable baby right wipes, but you can't flush them. Even though they say it's flushable, please don't flush those products down. But I bought it just in case, because I am a little afraid of people. I am a little afraid and I don't go out. I'm trying not to go out. People are nuts, man. I, I I was in the I was in the grocery store and I, I was asking the the manager like what what is the thing with the toilet paper? And the guy says, you know, we've all been talking about that. Nobody can figure out why there was a rush on toilet paper. Nobody has any idea. I would love to see the psychological analysis when this is all done on what the hell was the fixation with toilet paper. <laughs> we discussed this last time and I asked my mother again, and I think I said this during the crisis, 
people like psychiatrists, she thinks, or psychologists said, because it represents comfort and it's comforting because it's soft and it's white and pure. I don't know if that's yeah, really I'm not, I'm not buying that. I think it was more just a, a need, you know, somebody, because all it takes, you know, the, the, the mob mentality is you see one person buying up all the toilet paper and then you think, well, I better get some. And then That's there's true. two people buying up the toilet paper, and then it's like, well, I better get some. And then it's I don't on have the fishing line, but we need to reel us in. We're off <laughs> tangent, both of us. We're supposed to be talking about the Twilight Zone. Here in the Twilight, remember that song? Twilight, here in the Twilight, ain't it Twilight Zone? You remember that song? Yeah, 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 I remember that. Okay, so then here's another thing. Talking about the alien invasion. This is also a very famous one. Agnes, you know, he said there's a lot of famous actors that were in Twilight Zone. Agnes Moorhead, who was Andorra, bewitched. She was the mother of, what's her face? That's Sabrina. Yes, her name's Samantha. Sabrina. Samantha, Samantha, thank you. The daughter was Sabrina. No, Tabitha was the daughter. Okay, her mother, Andorra. Oh, no, Andorra was an auntie. Doesn't make a difference. Point is this. Agnes Moorhead plays this woman a human woman who's just sitting in her house. It seems like the Midwest. We just see the house. And then she hears on her roof or in her attic something like land. She goes up to look and it's a spaceship. And she starts freaking out. Now, us as the viewer, we're like, holy shit, the aliens have come. But mind you now, she's a human size and the spaceship is small. Like small, small, like a toy. And so she's trying to like escape and they're trying to be like, and you don't really see what's going on, but she's trying to fight off this UFO. She doesn't know what's going on. So this whole episode, you're rooting for, you're rooting for, you're rooting for. Then at the end, she gets the muster, like the gusto and she takes a broom and she smashes, smashes, smashes the UFO. And then camera goes right to the UFO, dun, dun, dun. And it says, United States of America. And it was us going to another planet and she was the alien and she basically killed. And they're like, we need help, we need help. I think they even say like, we've been, we're down, we're knocked down. So it was honestly, for me, that one's a very iconic one. And it's freaky because I do believe in aliens. I don't know if we've had that conversation yet. But I do believe in aliens. Now I'm really believing in that reptilian shit. Well, if you believe in reptilian people, I don't think aliens are far behind that one. Let me tell you something, <laughs> my friend. If I disappear, let me tell you something after this airs. Just know it's because I'm in the loop. I'm in if the loop. If you disappear, I'll check under a warm rock for, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the other lizards. <laughs> you know, I think the, the genius of Rod Serling was the ability to take something that would be, you know, very normal, you know, mainstream, and then just switch the perspective on it, right? Like the example you just gave of that, you know, the aliens, and then to find out, well, we're actually the aliens, you know? And um, it's it's basically the the key to the whole series. And the way, the what made it so interesting is to take something simple and just turn it around, flip the perspective. And, you know, I think he did that regularly all the time, you know, and just really makes you think, you know? I mean, that's what I love about his stuff. He was genius. I mean, besides being very dark and handsome, he, he, he did Night Gallery. He did Outer Limits. I mean, there was no end to his creativity. I mean, there's another episode I love called The Mask, and this is about humans' morality and people being kind. This, do you remember this one? This guy's really old, and he has his, I don't think they're his children, but he has this family. They might be his niece, her husband, and the, the children, and they're adults, and they're they're vapid, evil people. They're actually waiting for him to die. So 
He hates them. He calls them out on their BS. And he's like, well, you know you're here because I'm dying. And so they're like, yes, we're so sad. He's like, oh, stop it with the sob story. He's like, I know what you're waiting for. He's like, you want my money. He's like, so if you want my money, he's like, you're all in my will. Tonight, you got to sit here and wear a mask. So he gives them masks of these really ugly faces. And he's like, these masks portray who you are inside. That's how he feels. He's just like, ew. And they're like, oh. And he's like, just put them on. You want the money? So they put on the mask. And they're sitting around talking to him. And then finally he dies. And then they're all like, oh, thank God he's dead. Let's take the mask off. Guess what? They take off the mask one by one. They're all screwed. They ended up, their faces morphed into the ugly masks. And all their ugliness is now on the outside. So now even though they've got millions of dollars, they now are these ugly people. And I love it because it's such a statement of, who people are. And he made like such deep statements about people and what people will do for money. I mean, there's another one where the guy cuts his vocal cords to be quiet for a year. Do you remember that episode? That's a crazy one. But you know what? As we've proven over time that it doesn't matter how ugly you are, as long as you have money in this world, you'll do well. Right? Yeah, you're right. And I think though that's (laughs) going to be, well, I'll be honest with you. It's showing a lot right now what's going on, the have and the have nots. And I think a lot of the have nots are getting pissed that the haves, are getting able to get tested and all that. And we're shown, we're getting shown right clearly who are more important. So I think this uh, virus is going to bring a new earth and a very big change to our society as we know it. And I don't mean, we know the obvious reasons, but there's gonna be a lot of big shifts in the other sense about the haves and the have nots, in my opinion. And I do think with Rod Serling and all the sci-fi things, they all talked about going to the, going to the moon, right? going to Mars. I mean, they all had everything. Like, it's all been alien. It's all science fiction. He also played with the idea of who are you as a person and, you know, being aware. I I think that was, he's just so clever because he took it in a genre, which is kind of sci-fi, a little bit of horror, and then also added layers to it. And I don't know. I think nowadays they do it. I mean, listen, the show was so loved that Jordan Peele rebooted it. You know that. Yeah, well, I mean, nobody has original ideas anymore. It's just um, rebooting old ideas over and over and over. But, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Jordan Peele's. We'll see. You know, I love Us and things like that. So we'll see. You know, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, we'll see what he did with it. But, you know, when you're talking about just taking a simple concept and flipping the perspective, I remember the one where the woman was in the hospital with her face all bandaged up and she was so terrified that she'd still be ugly and the surgery and everyone's like supporting her and oh no, it'll be fine. And then they finally take the bandages off and she's beautiful, stunning. And then she looks in the mirror and she starts crying and freaking out that she's still ugly. And then you see all the other people and they're like hideous from our perspective. But from their, from their perspective, what we consider beautiful was hideous. And I just, you know, just that's a very simple concept, but it was brilliant. You know, I mean, that's what he did. Well, you know, the girl that plays the beautiful girl is from uh, Beverly Hillbillies. She plays the daughter. Donna is the real name. But that actress, like you were saying, how so many actors. And what's interesting about that one is the lighting. Because you don't see the doctors and the nurses that are going into her hospital room. Because you're just seeing them like, doctor, do you think it took? And then, you know, the nurse is saying to the doctor, and he's like, and he's smoking a cigarette, but you just see shadow so you're like wait a second and this is 1960 like this is he was also like a hitchcock they are definitely pioneers they did not have what we have today so besides 
the creativity and concepts, just even how like they showed and filmed these things. I mean, I honestly could spend hours, you know, every 4th of July. Now, I don't know if this is nationwide, but on the East Coast, and I think it is nationwide, they play on 4th of July, the 24-hour Twilight Zone Marathon. If I'm not incorrect, they used to do it. Now, Greg, you'll know the station, WPIX Channel 11. They used to do it on that, which is in New York. It's the tri-state area channel. But I actually think they do it. If it's not TNT, they still do it on another station, 24 hours of Twilight Zone. I've recorded that, too. My mom's got all the VHS tapes in Jersey. She still has VHS, believe it or not. Well, I think now I just looked on Netflix and all the episodes are there, except for some reason season four is missing from Netflix. But season one, two, three, and five are all there. But... Oh my God, yeah. you know I'm gonna binge on it because what I, I wonder what season The Howling Man is. If it was in season four, I'm gonna be so pissed. I You have to make sure you see The Howling Man. I'm telling you, it's spooky. I don't care if I was a kid, I've seen it as an adult too. It's still spooky to see the devil in your face and to show you that the devil can screw with you because the devil doesn't have to look like with horns and a tail. The devil is just a regular human being there to tempt you and to lie to you. Well, I think it was uh, Bob Marley that said the devil wears a suit, you know, but something like that. <laughs> Just like but, a- uh, <laughs> but the, you know, one of the one, one of the other ones I think was another concept stolen from a Twilight episode was the, the guy who's a ventriloquist and he he wants to replace his dummy. He thinks the dummy's evil. So he gets a new dummy and he puts the one he thinks is evil into the box, but it keeps talking to him and making them freak out and, you know, it, it goes crazy. I, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't be spoiling it for people who want to go rediscover it, but it ends up being a really, you know, interesting horror kind of a episode. But then you have that movie Magic with Anthony Hopkins. That was the I same thing. I love that movie. That yeah, was a creepy movie. Yeah, it was scary. But, you know, again, I, I know I'm beating a dead horse, but there's another concept taken almost directly from a Twilight Zone episode. Well, I think, you know, we're mentioning ones that we love, but there are so many episodes, as you said, five seasons worth. And even if you can see four seasons worth, it is even if you know, like I never get sick of watching another episode of Twilight Zone. There are some that I glaze over and I'm like, nah, I've seen that a couple of times. It's not my interesting ones. But there are so many of them. You're just like, it doesn't make a difference because every time you see it, when you really enjoy something, you're going to take something different away from it. Because you're gonna be like, oh my God, I forgot that. Or, oh my God, this is so dark or it's so good. I mean, I like the dark. As light as I am in terms of my personality, <laughs> I do love the dark. And I, I just think that good storytelling, we also know, is from the beginning of time will always stand. And I think that's a, this. the Twilight Zone is something that will always stand as an amazing series. And it can never get old. Never get old. Well, there's never. nothing like... There's nothing like the twist at the end of a, of a show or a movie or anything. I mean, that's what people love, right? And yeah. I, so you remember the one where the aliens come down and they're really nice and friendly and they have this book mm-hmm. to serve man and all the people are like, oh, they want to help us. They're going to serve us and figure out, you know, and it was so nice. And then so they convince all the humans to get on the spaceship and go back to their planet with them and they're all happy. And then they're trying to decipher the book. And the one guy at the end of the episode comes running out. It's a cookbook. It's a cookbook. You know. Oh, I just gave you the chills. And Ew. just this, you know, just a very simple um, shift at the end. You know, like a, a little twist of the plot, and it, it's just, and it sticks with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, and one of the humans who's telling the story. 
they show at the end him in the, the spaceship. And he's like, yes, he goes, by the end of this, we're all going to be served or something. And he's just like, it's inevitable because the guy that Marsh and the head leader is like, you need to eat, sir. You need to eat because they want them plump they're and everything because they're fattening them up. And it's kind of like, oh my God, they flipped the switch on us. How much do we do that to poor animals, right? Well, Shooting I say that people. all the time where, I, you know, as a vegetarian or maybe a, I would say more of a pescatarian, I'm I sneak a, pescatarian. a little, but I haven't eaten much fish lately either. So I'm leaning towards completely vegetarian. But when people like somebody will mention like, oh, isn't life nice and the earth is so beautiful. And I always say, unless you're a cow or a chicken <laughs> because, <laughs> or even a pig. and the pigs, oh. you know, but like. It, you know, when you when you look at that movie to serve, I mean, that show to serve man, that's, you know, imagine we were bred for people to eat, you know, and we're fat. I mean, so it's just a matter of that shifting that perspective, which I love. Well, the reptilians, they drink the human blood and they're cannibals, too. And remember, there have been people that do eat people, right? There is cannibalism. But I've heard, isn't it true, like they say that um, human meat is actually really sweet? So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's a serve man. I don't know. Maybe I need a piece of man meat. I don't know. <laughs> I was, you know, there was about five disgusting jokes I was, I, I could have chose from, and I overloaded. I couldn't get any of them out. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I hope, I hope I never have to find out. But you remember that show where the that was based on a true story where the people crashed in the plane and the animals, yeah, alive, and they had to eat. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I'd have trouble doing that if I was starving. I mean, I don't, I mean, they don't need the body anymore, you know? I mean, but like, did, I don't remember seeing alive. And if I did, did they cook it? I mean, they were in a snowstorm. Did they eat it raw? Yeah, they had how to eat it raw. I think there was. So how um, can that meat be good for you? Wouldn't it be no good if they're dead and that meat like just. Well, of course you're going to have indigestion, but you won't die. I mean, there is nutrients, you know, I mean. Oh God, you burp up and you're like, ooh, that ear didn't go down so well. That was something I shouldn't have eaten. Whoa, that actually, did me they were, in. They were cutting it from the legs, like the thighs and stuff, I remember. Oh, trust me. If I went, I got, I've got some thighs, people, and my booty. So there's definitely a feast for a few people to eat off my legs and thighs. I mean, my, my thighs and butt. So I shouldn't say that too loudly either because, I mean, you know, food suddenly gets taken off the shelves. They're going to start um, attacking people for pieces of meat. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, You know, I think the thing is if you look at – when I was younger, I had this epiphany that my body isn't me, you know. And I know it sounds simple. It's just that. You know, but I realized it's just a vehicle, like a car, you know, like and when the car breaks down, you get out of it and you keep walking. So I just never really I don't connect my body with me. And that's why I'm like blood doesn't scare me. I, I, I was able to actually watch a surgery on my hand and like it didn't bother me at all. So that's why I think I don't really see it as the person. So I think if I was stuck in the Andes Mountain and somebody died, I, I'd be like, I don't know, it's just a piece of meat. It's not the person. But maybe I'm crazy. <laughs> well, I think it's that. I don't think you're crazy. I think the majority of people would be like, absolutely, it's called survival of the fittest for a reason, right? My thing is, I just know that, I mean, I'm such an empath and so highly sensitive. And I would just be like, oh, my God. I mean, I don't know. I just can't fathom. But then again, I'm not starving for 40 days. I don't know how I'm going to feel. And then if someone's got a frigging calf right there, it's lean. 
I mean, you know, lean, calves are usually leaner. I wouldn't want the fatty part, but I guess, you know, you know, if you want some white meat, dark meat, what part of the body you want that's going to be like either fattier. I mean, somebody, I guess the tuchus. I mean, if you like fat, the tuchus is probably the gluteus maximus is probably a good place to start. Well, see, I'm a vegetarian, so I'd probably starve. You know, what am I going to do? Although... I'm but you just said you would eat it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I haven't touched meat in 20 years. <laughs> so I don't think I could digest it. I would be like, I think my mind would just be like, I'd puke it up. I just can't. But then again, I'm not, like, I don't know how it'd be after 40 days. Well, I don't know. Um, we're definitely off on a tangent. We're off on a tangent. I mean, I just think with the whole Twilight Zone one, there is actually um, one that I can't forget. It's with the little girl that was in To Kill a Mockingbird, which is one of my favorite movies. And she played the little uh, scout character, right? And Mary Batum. And there's one called the, I think, The Swimming Pool. And her and her brother... They live in very, it's very Californian. The mom is beautiful, the father's successful, and her and the brother have these parents that are constantly fighting. But you can tell they have money. But these two kids, they go to the pool, and all of a sudden, they come out of the pool, and they're in this land where there's other children and this little old lady, like the like Mother Hubbard, and they're in a new place, like where the, the old woman loves them and cares for them, and they've made friends, and now... They're, she's, they're, they, they have to go back home every day because, you know, they're supposed to go back home. There's a certain amount of time the swimming pool closes. But at the end of the show, what's amazing about it, the parents are just, they don't give a shit about the kids. They're, they're just too wrapped up in their own lives like we all get. And at the end, the two kids are like, screw this. They jump in the swimming pool. And they, the pool closes up and they go to go be in the other lands with this little old woman and other children. So now... The thing is this, the parents can't find them, but it's like, you could go dark and be like, oh my God, did they drown themselves? Because we don't see. But I just, that popped into my head. Or the fact is, you know, how the parents weren't paying attention and these children didn't care. They just wanted love. And that's another thing. Once again, a very deep theme. And like you had said, Stephen King, using children. That's the thing. You can use children for all these things, for the basic needs that we want as humans, because no one ever wants to get back in touch with their inner child. That's what we're all missing, to get back in touch with our inner child. Oh, well. All right. Well, that was, uh, that was a mouthful. So, um... I was going to say, <laughs> but I'm not going to. <laughs> Yeah, well, there. I mean, we, we could sit here and go through all the greatest episodes of Twilight Zone, but um, we'll probably um, we'll lose a lot of uh, our listeners' attention. But the Twilight Zone, I mean, it had there. There were some shows when I was a kid that just stayed with me for the rest of my life, and um, definitely the Twilight Zone is one of them. And um, I, you know, I'm glad we did this. It's kind of cool. It's inspired me to go. I think I'm going to go to Netflix and just start watching them since we're in. You know. Uh, coronavirus lockdown anyway. Exactly. And I encourage our, what do you always say? How many listeners, Greg? <laughs> all three of our loyal listeners. <laughs> Thank you, all three of our loyal listeners. Um, watch the Twilight Zone. Refresh your memory because there are some really good themes in it. And it really, for the time and for 60 years ago, is that 60 years ago? I can't um, even fathom that. Almost. Yeah. yeah. 50, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So to be that pioneering and that creative and that on point, I say do yourselves a favor since everybody, the whole world's on lockdown. So go and enter into the Twilight Zone since you're already in it anyway. <laughs> well, we didn't want to leave our listeners without an episode, even though we're on lockdown. We So this episode was via Skype. 
um, we recorded the video too. So I don't know, maybe we'll put the video on our website or something if you want to watch our episode instead of just listening to it. Um, but we'll see, no promises. But thanks for listening. Um, again, this is Nostalgic Tangents. Everybody stay safe out there. I'm Greg DiPietro. I'm Rosie DeCandia. And, and thanks for... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> thanks for listening. Yes, you've now entered and now leaving the Twilight Zone.